Rob, I think it's called helming, not driving, but just, you know, but good. You, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> it's baby steps, all right? <laughs> not that I know anything about it, but uh, that's what I'm told. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, so... so um, yeah, I learned, I learned something today. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Rob Catalano of worktango.io. Joe and Rob originally met when Rob was working in the UK with Achievers and connected with Joe via Engage for Success. They met at a HR and technology event, hit it off and have worked with each other a number of times since. Rob is passionate about helping companies succeed by leveraging technology to make employees successful. With his unique experience in HR technology as a founding employee at Achievers, Rob co-founded WorkTango, a platform that offers real-time employee insights and agile performance and management that positively impacts alignment, accountability and engagement of employees. Rob has had the privilege to speak in over 30 cities the past three years and loves the opportunity to connect with passionate HR leaders across the globe. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Rob Catalano of Work Tango. Hi, Rob. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. So you're not from here, not from around these parts, are you? Where are you from? <laughs> yeah, so you can tell from the accent. I'm not, uh, not from there, but uh, I'm actually from Toronto in Canada. But uh, I did uh, just move back to Toronto about six months ago from living in the UK. I was right in downtown London. Yeah, which is how we met originally. So tell me a bit more about you what you do and where you do it. All right. So, uh, so you heard about where I, uh, where I do it. Um, I'm in Toronto now. I was actually in London for the last year, but actually in San Francisco the year before that. So everything I have been doing has been in about three different countries over the last uh, year. Um, and uh, the reason why I was moving around, I was actually uh, running marketing and global expansion for a, a company named Achievers uh, you know, uh, before January of this year. Um, and uh, that was uh, an HR technology company that uh, um, you know focused on helping companies recognize their employees. And, and now I'm in Toronto and, and launched a new company called WorkTango uh, and basically co-founded that with uh, someone I've worked with closely with over the last 10 years. And it's basically a platform to help managers uh, have better more accountability with their employees, uh, really focused on that. So when you talk about what I do, uh, you know, when you're co-founding a company, you do a little bit of everything. So uh, I'm pretty much involved in all elements of uh, getting a company off the ground. Lovely. Sounds very exciting, especially all the, the jet setting around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so 
as far as where where you work, you currently have an office, or I think you do you work in a co-working space, if I remember rightly. Is that right? Yeah. So for the first part of it was uh, working at home, but right now it's at a co-working space, which is actually very interesting because um, you're you know you it's a small team, and uh, outside of the ability to you know focus and work closely with your team in a place. Um, there's also the ability to uh, learn and co communicate with several other companies that have different ways of doing things and different um, personalities and different uh, just lenses on the, uh, on, you know, on the, the environment. And it's cool to get all this feedback and, and real-time feedback from people around us. But it's, co it's cohabitated with about five different startup companies uh, in a location in downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, when you were in the UK, you, you worked from home or as we were laughing before we came on air from hotels and, and airplanes, if I remember rightly. <laughs> yeah, home mostly uh, when there wasn't good Internet, for example, the hotel down the street or uh, or definitely on the planes in those long uh, eight, nine hour um, flights I used to do from London to San Francisco. So uh, anything with a laptop and potential wireless uh, and even if there wasn't wireless, sometimes easy to focus. But uh, I'd say it was a, a roaming worker for many years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thinking about your, your days then, do, do you have a particular routine? I, I always am particularly interested when people have worked in differing uh, differing locations because I, one of the things I try and have a routine, but when I'm away from home, it uh, it, it sort of falls down. And uh, uh, some people are very good at, at maintaining that routine in, in different places. How, how does that work for you? Yeah, so uh, majority of the time, you know, when I'm not traveling, a perfect morning routine for me is I, I kind of call it a bit of me time where I'll either do some gym uh, or some type of workout um, uh, or some reading, really just something that starting the day where you're not jumping right into productivity from a work standpoint because work can be you know, relatively consuming throughout the day. Um, always starts with a healthy breakfast. You know, you got to get the, uh, that going uh, properly. Um, what I also do is I review my top five from the night before. And what that means is that I actually every day after work write a top five of top five things I'm going to focus on doing the next day uh, to help me prioritize, uh, especially when there's a lot of things going on. So I do review that in the morning just to make sure it aligns with what I created uh, uh, after work the day before and nothing had changed from then. Mm. Um, now, I guess what's interesting as well is I do like to catch up on my emails before, you know, before around 10 a.m., uh, but I don't touch my emails for the next two hours and really focus on one or two of those important things for my top five. Um, now, and that's really just a typical morning uh, on my end, but to your point when it comes to traveling and having meetings, um, it does change, but I try to keep things similarly. Uh, especially when I'm traveling, I'll try to book flights at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., so I can still get caught up at the airport on the day and, and just start the day right. Uh, may not go to the gym, but um, but it, you know, really try to start really early. Um, and actually, to that point, there's this really great book. Uh, it's, it takes about you know 20 minutes to read called What Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, um, and just something that I read, you know, five, six years ago and thought it was uh, something I wanted to add into my routine. Lovely. That's a good good resource to have. So you talk about your um, your top five things. A lot of people talk about three things. Where, where did the five come from? Uh, you know, it's something we started doing uh, more from a daily productivity thing back when I was working at Achievers, and the way we always looked at it was there was the top three, um, but you didn't want to limit it to top three. So if there was a stretch goal of something you found was, you know, you wanted to get done, that was the fourth one. 
And the fifth one was always something from a personal development standpoint. So it had nothing to do with work, but it was something you personally need to do. So it's still, I guess, in a, it's, it's top three productivity at work cloaked with a fourth stretch goal and a fifth personal one. Lovely. I wasn't expecting that answer. I thought you'd just go, you know, well, there's always lots to do. Five, why not five? <laughs> so that was a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? Like, it, who's kidding here? Like, sometimes it gets to six and seven and you really try and stop <laughs> and not do that. But, um, you know, uh, sometimes it just it's forced on it. But you really try to keep it focused. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I try and do it a three three things for the day. And what I realized recently was that I was tending to put – I was sort of wasting one or two of the threes sometimes by putting urgent things that must get done today on on there. And they were big things as well. But actually what that meant was that it, it was becoming an urgent list rather than necessarily an important list. And the urgent stuff would get done anyway. So I didn't really need to sort of waste that space, if you like, with, with one of those. So I've had to keep reminding myself that it's uh, – that you know those things are going to happen anyway however big they are because they're urgent and I'm not going to forget to do them because they are urgent um to try and sort of really focus on the big things because it's hard isn't it to to really work on the stuff that's really important that isn't required for another week or two or five or, or whatever and I guess in a startup situation that's probably even worse you've probably got so much coming at you that needs to get done and as you say probably less people to do it so you're having to do most of it anyway yeah, and to your point, it's the struggle of the important versus urgent, and how do you uh, prioritize those things? And and that is why, literally, between you know 10 and uh, 10 a.m. and before lunch, I do try and shut off email, shut off the distractions. Um, you know, uh, I wouldn't put I don't put the phone on airplane mode, so to speak. But if someone really needs to get a hold of me, they can call me. But it's focused from 10 to 12 to try to do at least that top one thing. So to your point, when something urgent does come up. You can take care of it the rest of the day and uh, and feel a bit productive that you you know focus on your most important thing. Mm. And so you said that things are, are are pretty similar when you're traveling, or at least you sort of build in similar ideas for the, for the morning. What about the getting stuff done? Does that still follow in the same way, or does it just go out the window because you've got other things on because that's why you've traveled? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think. Uh, it, it really depends, right? It's when you're doing those quick, you know, last or two weeks ago did a 6 a.m. flight. Uh, it was only about an hour and a half. You know, you can still go through that, through that same cadence and focus in the morning and, 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 you know, depending on meetings and what you've set up, you can still go down that road. But, you know, when you're doing five to 10 hour flights, um, I think the day just, you know, it's tough to go through that cadence. And what mm -hmm. I just try to do is say, what is my top five for the flight? <laughs> like, what am I trying to accomplish <laughs> that when I, complete the flight. Sometimes it sleeps and that's fine, but what do I want to accomplish? <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, it, it just changes the day up, obviously, when it takes up a, you know, a quarter to a third of your day in, in the air and maybe not even accessible to the internet. Mm, yeah, I think that's a, a, a key point. It's about flexing to that scenario. So if you have only got an hour in the day where you can do stuff other than what, what you've got, you know, the reason that you're traveling, the, the, the event you're going to or whatever, whatever, that you actually do focus on just that hour and what you can get done in that time. So, um, so in question, you're a startup. Um, so it might be that you don't finish the day very much. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, you know, now you're in a, a co-working space and there is that opportunity to really leave the office. How is that working for you? And how does that compare to when you were, uh, you know, working from home? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think it has changed. Um, personally, for me, uh, when I was, you know, in the UK and working from home most of the time, I would put some of those, uh, you know, uh, personal type commitments in the evening. I would try and catch up on specific things. I had a part of the evening where I would catch up on emails and do some things on that end. But here, I think there's always commitments after work, to your point. There's either dealing with the urgent or even just being home and having, you know, more commitments to friends and family and, and, and you know, things like that where um, the, the evenings are not always the same. Um, I find that I'm most productive when I write that top five at the end of my work day or at the end of the evening to focus on my next day. But it is a, it's a mishmash of just different things that happen, uh, um, yeah. whether I'm like going home to, uh, you know, from the office or whether I was just, you know, working from home anyway. So it's, uh, you know, it, the biggest thing for me is just trying to catch up on emails so the next day I'm not just barraged with stuff and feel like I'm waking up behind. So it's really a bit of a catch-up for me in the evenings, whether I'm at home or whether I'm on my way home um, yeah. uh, in most yeah. cases. Yeah, yeah. So thinking about getting things done during the day with, with your, your top five, how do you uh, manage your time during the day? Do you, do you have a to-do list or do you just purely work to that five or, or do you have tools that you use, project management tools? Yeah, so I, I have one list of um, uh, of tool, one list that I have in a tool called Evernote, which I'm sure people have heard. That um, I have work tasks, personal tasks, but outside of the top five, there's always a running list of other things that I have uh, have going on. So some might be things I want to get accomplished next week, or if I have an idea and I want to do it, I write it in something I want to do someday. Um, so I kind of keep a list of personal and work stuff outside of the top five so that I don't forget things. Um, but also what's interesting is as a leader of a team I work here at Work Tango, our actual tools help, uh, it's, it's built to help managers have more accountability on what they are doing for their organization and for their team. So I actually use Work Tango as a tool to prioritize the things that uh, I need to get done for my team to make sure that they're successful um, so I also use Workango as a tool as well. Um, mm -hmm. So those are the two major tools that I bounce back and forth on, uh, just to make sure that I'm, you know, getting those things done mm -hmm. above and beyond my top five. Mm. So here's your here's your little opportunity for a pitch. How how does Workango enable you to do that? How does it work? The short yeah, version. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, short version. So if we think about um, one of the struggles managers have, it's that they they struggle to sometimes keep accountability on their own side of things, of things that they you know committed to their employees or conversations that they had, things they need to follow up on, mm -hmm. as well as keep themselves and employees more focused on more longer term commitments that they have, whether it's you know a quarterly goal or a monthly commitment they have. So the idea is that whether you're having a one-on-one -on -one discussion with an employee or you want to reference, you know, what you're focused on or the employee can do that as well, it's a tool that allows you to put in short-term and long-term commitments. It's really what we call commitments, which is really anything from a task or a follow-up or, again, something that you need to do, which, unfortunately, most managers lose track of or they're tracking in five different tools. And that's basically what we're one of the versions of what we help, you know, uh, help managers be uh, more productive on. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll save the rest of the pitch <laughs> on the, on, on the Half side of things, that's one part of it. <laughs> Lovely. So you, you talked about a couple of tools then, so WorkTango and, and Evernote. Are there other tools or apps that you, you wouldn't be without? Um, 
I know it sounds weird, but I, my Fitbit tool is actually uh, uh, the app and the Fitbit device that I wear. It's just something that uh, I really love because I have certain goals and things I want to accomplish, and it helps track it and you remind me when I'm way off or when uh, you know, the recognition when I hit it. But yeah. uh, those are the three that I can think of that I use most uh, yeah. most most days. And do you compete with your Fitbit? That's something that uh, a mutual friend of ours, Kathy. Kathy Brown, who was on our first podcast, um, uh, uses hers for. She uses it to uh, to have little competitions with her friends. <laughs> I, I actually have an old colleague that used to invite us um, all the time to these workday hustles, I think they were called. So yeah. five days of the week, it was a step challenge, and I would always join them. And to be honest, like sometimes that was the difference between you know walking somewhere to taking a cab, or it, it did yeah. kind of give you this little push to, you know, from a competition standpoint to try and win the, the win the competition. So, yes, I, I am involved in those and I try and win them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on that, keeping on that theme then, tell us a bit more about um, what you're doing to, to look after yourself, to keep healthy. Um, so from a health standpoint, I mean, you know, obviously try to have a good diet, frequent gym, um, you know, even with the Fitbit tool, you can track, you know, try to have at least six hours of sleep. Um, and, and I think the, the good thing is, especially with the Fitbit, it allows some of those healthy things to come out. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. I think the other thing is just uh, you, you talked before about how do you manage your tasks or manage your time. I think health is not only just the physical part of it, but just kind of this state of mind and what I try and do is I really try and theme my days. Um, it's really easy to get you know bogged down in a lot of different things and tasks and to lose a day or a week. But sometimes I really try and just focus. Um, and you know, Thursdays will most you know exclusively be about our product, or Mondays are on marketing, or Fridays are more about writing because uh, I do a lot of columns and blogs. And so I think healthy isn't just you know your your physical state, but also mentally as well. How do you keep yourself on track and that's another way I'd probably do that as well. Yes, yeah, I like like that idea. I've um, I've tried to do it myself in the past because I've heard a lot of people finding it useful. But um, I, I don't know. I think because I just have so many different things that I'm doing, you know, with two businesses myself, two business focuses myself, plus the work I do with Engage Success, I think it just um, makes it quite hard to, to have those themes because they just fall by the wayside the minute another priority comes yeah. in. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to be disciplined. And actually, on the on the kind of the mental wellness part of it, one thing I haven't uh, got involved in is the whole meditation. And I've really tried. I've been it's been hard to keep up. It's something I'm thinking about adding to my morning routines. And um, you know, that's one you know goal I have is to try to figure that out and, and make mm. that a part of my uh, you know, my daily routine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've recommended some uh, tools actually on previous podcasts and. Can't remember, but a lot of people talk about um, Headspace, don't they? The app, but there's also there's a podcast, something like my daily meditations or something, and it's a daily podcast um, that's that you know put out that um, helps you to to meditate and it and the themes change all the time and stuff. I found that quite helpful in the past. Not that I actually meditate. <laughs> I choose to sing for my meditation because I wasn't really into the idea of meditation or or yoga for that matter. <laughs> but that's all that counts, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, talking about uh, 
trying to do something or trying to do more of something that sort of takes us nicely into the learning and improving yourself uh, part of, of the interview what, what sort of things do you do to to improve to to help you to learn uh, I guess a bunch of things or, or at least try one is um, you definitely try and read right you try and read a few books a month and, uh, and you know, have my long list that I try and bury through and uh, that's one part and yeah. traditionally most mostly on the business side of things um, but uh, a big second one is not just learning from books but just connecting with people right like you meet new people and you learn about new approaches and ideas and thoughts and ways that they they do things and it's just a great way to learn and respect what other people do so you know, from a learning and improvement standpoint the ability to chat with new people is just a, a good opportunity to do it whenever I can um, also just uh, I mentioned I write for a couple of columns and blogs and I think writing is one thing that I do and I, and I commit to doing these things because it helps me learn and improve um, mm. I, it forces me to think and read and, and research other ideas and um, and, and what I find is when I have an idea that I want to dive deeper into, um, I need to do a bit more of the research, focus on it, uh, if I'm going to actually write a column out there uh, um, as well. Um, and then, uh, and I think for me, it's just, you know, I just try and push limits by setting those goals, right, really for everything, whether it's what top fives I want to do or some of the, you know, fitness goals I had. Um, you know, I'm always trying to do that, but I've also always tried to do um, long-term goals as well. So before I was 30, you know, I identified what success looked like to me when I was 30 years old. Um, and now that that's gone and passed, um, you know, I have new goals for when I'm 40. And, you know, they're, they're super personal and things that I try and do. But um, outside of the daily and weekly goals, um, there are some long-term ones as well that try and keep me focused on a long-term basis. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, those are the things that come to mind in terms mm -hmm. of what I do to learn and improve. Yeah. And do you, the thing about planning and long-term planning, do you have, like, a, a structure to that? Do you, do you do that at certain times, or is it just something that, you, that you've done and that you review when it feels right to do so? Yeah, so actually it's interesting. We back at Achievers, we were very focused on, you know, on employee growth and what we asked people to do is this whole concept that we had was top five. But as an organization, we had everyone in the company create their top one. And this top one had to be a personal goal and it wasn't anything that had to do with anything from the business or professional. Um, but what we said is, you know, create your top one and make it one of three things. Make it a, a wealth goal, a health goal, or a self goal. And what we meant by that was wealth, you know, is there something you're trying to save up at or be at a certain state in your life from a health standpoint, obviously, you know, whether it's running a marathon or being a certain weight or whatever it was. And then self was maybe more specific to you. Maybe it was being, you know, meditating more or other things. But I always try to think, do I have a goal that's on the wealth side of things, the self side of things and the health side of things? And that's how I structure, you know, what are my future goals uh, mm. personally? I like that. That really makes it quite simple, doesn't it? I, I like that idea, definitely. Hmm. Okay, lovely. So um, what about um, the – you talked about reading. You talked about um, learning from reading. Are there books that you'd recommend or maybe moving into films or music, anything um, not just necessarily about learning? could be about inspiration or just things that you've enjoyed that our audience might be interested in. Yeah, so uh, I mentioned that earlier one, but the, what the best or most successful people do before breakfast, yeah, literally, like it's a quick read, and it's just a cool thing to uh, to just reflect on. Um, 
you know, I really like this book I read recently from Ben Horowitz called The Hard Things But Hard Things. And it's, it's really stories of how do you, you know, how do founders run and sell and manage their, their new technology companies. And, and I've, you know, been part of technology companies for the, for, for the longest time. Something just super interesting to me to help me grow the business I work Tango. Um, and uh, the other thing I, I guess I would suggest, and as, as you know, my background is more in the marketing side of things, but Seth Godin has a book out there called Purple Cow. And, and, and I don't, you know, whether you're a, a marketer or not, it's more about how do you stand out? How do you stand out individually? How do you stand out in your messaging? Um, it's just a cool book to kind of reflect on, you know, how do you stand out when there's so much noise out there and whatever mm-hmm. you're trying to accomplish uh, uh, at work or in your business or at life. Um, so, I mean, those are some of the ones that come to mind from a recommendation standpoint. But in terms of other, you know, inspiration or enjoyment, I, you know, I, to me, it's a bit more of a relaxing thing, but I play guitar and, you know, um, you know, and, and kind of like just listening to music just from that standpoint, from an enjoyment standpoint. Yeah. But, um, those are the, those are the major things that come to mind. Yeah. No, that's cool. It's interesting. Um, Purple Cow was recommended only, um, on a recent podcast, podcast, I think 22, Hella. Fosniak K. Um, that was the one book she recommended. So interesting that uh, through all the lists of books that have been recommended over the last few podcasts, there, there's that uh, uh, mutual recommendation there. Um, and the guitar thing, it's interesting. I, I bought um, little Dodsy, Ellie, who does the intros for the podcast, a ukulele last week. I uh, coincidentally was out uh, out for the day with Hella from Show 22 and uh, just walked past the music shop, saw some in the window. And I don't know why I particularly decided to buy it for her she's got a guitar and hardly plays that um, but I'd heard the ukulele was quite easy and she's not put it down and she's she's found internet uh, things on the internet with you know the the chords and, and the music for songs you know like modern pop songs that she likes and she's she just sits there strumming away singing along trying to get the chords right sort of thing and uh, it's just amazing how how quickly it's got her interest and obviously you know she's really really enjoying it so um so there you go a few less strings but <laughs> yeah yeah no, you know what now online with tabs and um and some of the videos i mean i wish i had that stuff when i was you know when i was starting to learn but yeah uh, it is just a, it's a cool way just to kind of disconnect have fun and what i what i found and the only advice is usually year zero to one is super hard to yeah. you know get it right and know all the chords but once if she can get to that first year then she'll have all the movements, all the chords down, and she can pretty much you know, yeah. sing and play any song she wants. So yeah. uh, that's, that's cool. See, that's where I went wrong. I played the guitar at school, but I didn't do it for longer than a year, so that's obviously uh, the issue. And she's talking about playing the oboe next year, and my friend did send me a message who's an oboe, oboist saying, uh, great that she wants to learn. Buy yourself some earplugs for at least the first six months. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I don't know. So, what about um, on days when things don't go right? I can imagine in uh, in the startup world, you must have uh, quite a few of those days. Uh, how how do you deal with those days? No, everything goes perfectly. Oh, of course, no, yeah. Never happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, things don't go right a lot of time. Um, you know, I think from a productivity standpoint, um, you know, you reevaluate your list and your priorities, um, and sometimes those aren't. It's too late to go through the daily ones, but from a weekly standpoint or what, you know, personally you're going for, the company's trying to go for, um, really just uh, reevaluate the list and prioritize them and really get everyone focused. Um, sometimes I think when things don't go right, it just comes from a lack of focus. Um, 
I think from a results standpoint, if results come in and they're not great, just try and reflect on why and try and change it. Try to decide what, what you're doing as the next step to, to make that happen. Um, you know, when, when we see numbers that we don't like, we reflect on why we think it's there, but just reflection isn't enough. We really try and focus on what's the action that we're going to do to try to make things happen. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my approach. And then um, it's actually funny when you when you say things don't go right, you mentioned headspace. Um, even though I haven't gotten to the cadence of using that as like a meditation tool, I have tried it. And they actually have this little thing in there called SOS. And uh, <laughs> it's quick, literally, it's this quick three-minute kind of just stop and there have been times where I have been you know I, I traditionally don't show it but super stressed and not sure how to how to move forward on something and I have used the Headspace SOS tool and it just again three minutes of just stopping coming up for air um, makes a you know it goes a long way in terms of uh, you know trying to uh, you know, fix the things that don't go right yes yeah I didn't know that was on there actually clearly I I think I've downloaded the app and never actually looked at it but uh, I didn't know that was there so that's that's a top tip definitely I have to give that a go <laughs> on on those days where obviously things aren't quite going <laughs> to, to plan yeah <laughs> lovely so what about on a day when you end the day knowing that you've had the chance to to live more so I define that as the day where you've had the chance to do what you wanted to do not the stuff that you feel like you should do or you have to do what will you have done huh uh, the chance to live more so I think one thing that comes to mind is did I do something that I've never done before so what I mean by that is that have I engaged in some level of new experience that uh, either learned something or something I could you know uh, you know, has to have as a memory moving forward. And, you know, yesterday actually was a great example. It's the first time I actually was on a sailboat and drove it and didn't know what I was doing, but it was a cool experience. And when I do something like that, then I feel I kind of live more, right? Something I've just never done before um, yeah. or never learned before. Rob, I think it's called helming, not driving, but just, you know, but good. You're, you're... <laughs> <laughs> it's baby steps, all right? <laughs> Not that I know anything about it, but uh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, so... so um, yeah, I learned, I learned something today. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, learning learning stuff that you've not done before or having a chance to do something you've not, not done before. Any, anything else that, that uh, springs to mind? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you put those top fives and, and some days you don't hit them all and, and other days you crush them. And when you're... Ref- Reflecting on them and creating, you know, personally for me, when I'm creating the top five of the next day, um, that's great when all those things are checked off and I've made progress. And mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't one of those days that didn't go right. And it, you, you put those things out there to try to accomplish something, stay focused. So when you when you have those wins, that personal celebration of the win is pretty nice. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's the small things. I did something this morning that I've been intending to do for about two months. <laughs> I was so happy with myself. It only took me about 20 minutes. I don't know why I've been procrastinating so long. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's a little rule. I can't remember where I read it, but uh, they said if something comes in and it lands in your mailbox, or someone asks you to do something and it's under two minutes, it's like, just go do it. Like yeah. it, it may distract you, but if you get it done, it'll be off your mind. And I, I don't know. That might distract what you're currently doing or keep you unfocused, but um uh, but there are those things that just kind of linger and you finally finish them and wonder what took you so long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I read, I, I'm reading a book called The Organized Mind by some somebody like 
it's Daniel Levitson or something, I think his surname is. And it's all about, you know, how the digital onslaught now, you know, with everything being so, you know, 300 miles an hour and, and always on and that sort of thing. And what's really interesting was that he says that having an unread email in your inbox uh, can reduce your IQ by as much as 10 points. Which really? I thought was really scary because I mean I, I I work pretty much to inbox zero and uh, I do control my inbox well and I I sort of generally know what's going on with it and that sort of thing. But the average person has like hundreds of emails in their inbox. Many of them they haven't read and probably never will read. <laughs> so it did worry me a tad that uh, just one unread email can really have that impact on your brain. But I I can sort of see that that's that's true because. You know that, um, as you said, have, having that, um, uh, you know, something nagging you to, to to be done can impact your productivity generally, can't it? Yeah, but I just glance at my emails and I have a whole whack of them I haven't read, so I'm, I, I'm <laughs> my IQ might be in the negatives. I'm not sure, but um, I'm just depressed, you know. So just scary. ignore that. I think he just made that fact up. It's not true at all. <laughs> 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 but it, it's actually, I don't know, like, that's actually really interesting. Like I, If I think about the whole idea about focus and creating a top five, for example, the way I do it, trying to you know, accomplish the right things, not the urgent things, uh, you know, to me, like I shut off the email so that yeah. I can try and focus on those. So it, it sounds like a very um, counterintuitive to what, you know, what, what this book is saying, but um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I, I I guess I'll have to live with a low IQ then. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, but I think that is the point, actually, though. I think the point is exactly what you've said, that you're because you're focusing on the important things, you won't be impacted by the emails that you've chosen not to look at anyway. I think it's the it's that sort of um, dopamine thing, isn't it, that where people can't help themselves but to look at their email because they can see that it's flashing that there's a message sort of thing um uh, uh, people who, who are falling into that trap probably it does impact them but if you've actually chosen to ignore those things then it, I, I can see that it wouldn't then have that same impact she said trying to make you feel better <laughs> <laughs> yeah i appreciate it no, no that makes sense i guess if you don't look at it then it's not weighing on your mind and it's not even email right it's Facebook messages, Twitter messages, yeah. LinkedIn messages, every other app that's pinging you for something. Um, yeah. But that makes sense. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take a note and uh, maybe read it and uh, let you know what I think. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's the whole principle of Inbox Zero. Everyone thinks it's about having no emails in your inbox, but it's not actually that. It's about your mind spending zero time in your inbox um, for getting, getting your work done. So the guy that came up with it, it was all about managing your emails you know such that you aren't using your inbox as a to-do list and you're not actually worrying about what's in there because you're working elsewhere which is exactly what you're doing so I think you know all joking aside I think that is uh, that is the point that's what he's sort of saying that if you've got a way of, of focusing on what's the stuff that you know the stuff that you should be focusing on then actually that stops that becoming an issue for you but if you don't then that's where it becomes a big issue as you say and it's not just email it's everything isn't it yeah okay that makes sense then yeah. I, I can i can appreciate that <laughs> cool so we can move to the last question now now you're feeling a bit better 
<laughs> so, so Rob, tell us how people can find out more about you and, and connect up with you, and, and a bit about a bit more about the longer version of what Work Tango is. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, I mean, people can reach out to me anytime. Um, Rob Catalano uh, is the Twitter handle that I have. Uh, obviously, that's my name on LinkedIn. Um, you know, Rob uh, Rob at WorkTango.io is my email address and you can reach me there or if you went to the worktango.io website uh, you can you know uh, email the the company and it'll get routed uh, to me at some point but um, yeah I mean from my end I, I love connecting with uh, different people and learning how they do things and if some of other productivity kind of hack has worked for you love to hear about it but uh, yeah feel free to get, get in touch with any time it's just great to connect with people Lovely. Thank you. Really enjoyed interviewing you as ever. It's not the first time I've interviewed you, is it? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Joe, and uh, uh, all the best and look forward to hearing a couple of the other uh, other ones uh, that you've done uh, in the last, uh, well, the last couple of weeks and some of the future ones happening. Lovely. Thank you. Oh, and let uh, let little Dodsy know to keep plugging away on the ukulele. Uh, she'll she'll get great in no time. <laughs> <laughs> that I will definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Joe's Jams. Today we're going to talk about how to adopt a minimalist lifestyle in five easy steps. And the reason we're talking about this is that when I talk about uh, living more, so getting to do more of the things that you want to do, I use five fundamentals to help you to work through that in your life, in your business. And the first one is simplify. So it's about being very clear about what you want in your life and what you want to do and therefore clear about what you don't want to do and then aligning your life so that you're working more in the space of the things that you want to do and less around the things that you don't want to do. And one of the ways you can do this is to think about adopting a more minimalist lifestyle. It's quite a buzzword at the moment, uh, minimalism. Uh, and, you know, it, it, there's a real spectrum of what that means from people who uh, reduce their belongings to, uh, I don't know, you know, three items and four shirts and a sofa and that's all they have in the house <laughs> I might be slightly exaggerating there um, right the way through to people who ha still have you know quite a lot of stuff and stuff happening in their life but less than they had before they started that process and you know as with many things in life it's a it's a personal journey a personal decision as to what works for you and what doesn't work for you um, but you know adopting a more minimalist lifestyle can be a way to help to uh, be happier and more fulfilled with what you are doing. Uh, we quite often think that, you know, we just need to keep adding more stuff into our lives and then we'll be happy. But actually, it, quite often it's the opposite that's true, that uh, when we really start to focus on the things that we feel are important and that we want to do uh, and, and focus on those things, then actually that can really free us up to really enjoy our lives, uh, you know, with only focusing those things that we want to do rather than the stuff that we don't want to do, which is sort of the premise of power to live more in the first place. So if we think about scaling back, it lets us then focus on the things that we have and we appreciate and, and that are going well and, and we can focus on those more. And also getting less, having less and committing to less can give us more time to relax and to recharge and, and to sort of start each day refreshed because we've got sort of less less stuff dragging us down if you like uh, hopefully be less uh, or fewer money concerns a less stressed calendar and and so on so how do you embrace it then how what are the five steps that can help you to do that 
So first, the big one for me is about reducing your surface clutter. So first of all, just thinking about the stuff that you have in your house and in your life and in your business that you can see, how can you have less of it? So how can you get rid of things? How can you uh, clear work surfaces? How can you clear perhaps your desktop on your computer? How can you perhaps streamline what you're doing within your business, take out some processes so that you just have less, so that you're not seeing a busyness all the time. Uh, again, I think it's it's very personal. Some people really do seem to thrive in a, a really busy, overstuffed environment. But I think, you know, from talking to people that, the, that most people actually do appreciate some opportunity to have that sort of clear space, whether that be in your house or in your desk or in your computer, to really help you to, to think more clearly. So have a look at your house, have a look at your business, have a look at your computer and just work through on a daily basis, just a little bit a day of getting rid of some stuff. So what, what don't you need anymore and perhaps taking it to a charity shop or deleting it if it's on your computer or if you're thinking about things that you're doing in your life, work out the things you want to do, work out the things you don't want to do and work on a plan to gradually cut out those things that you don't want to be doing. So moving on to the second thing on the same theme is about cutting things out, as I've said. So look for recurring commitments or tasks or recurring bills that are happening all the time and that actually are depleting your energy and your reserves or your money. And just say no to that. So work out a way to not keep doing those things or to stop paying for whatever it is that uh, you don't really need to be paying for that you are continuing to. And just have a look at your to-do list. There's certainly things that I do on a daily or a weekly basis that every so often when I do a little review, I realise that actually I don't really need to be doing them. I'm just doing them because it's become a habit and it's not actually doing my business or my life any good anymore. So I need to cut those things out. So you know, have a look at those recurring commitments, tasks and payments that you're making and see if you can do something to reduce them. Here's a bit of a radical one for number three. It's get rid of old boxes or if we're talking digital, then get rid of folders on your computer. The radical way is just to get rid of them. So if you've got a box that's been in your wardrobe or under your bed or anywhere else for longer than, I don't know, three months, six months, a year, and you've not looked at it, then you probably can get rid of what's in it without really noticing. And then at some stage in the future, if there's something you need and you haven't got it, then you can always go and uh, buy it again or find it from, from somewhere else. But uh, if they're the sorts of boxes where you know that it's stuff that you may have used, but you haven't, then just getting rid of them uh, isn't an issue. I think um, if it's sort of memories and that sort of thing, then obviously it's a slightly different scenario. And I'm certainly one that I do go through old boxes and make sure that I don't need the stuff before I get rid of it. Um, but really, you know, if you've not looked in that box for a good period of time, then chances are you don't need what's in there. And the same with your computer. I've got so many folders from, you know, the last 11 years in business where actually I could probably delete half of them and I would never notice because I don't actually know what's in them. Again, for me to sort through them, I'm doing a little bit every day and sorting out things in my business and my home and my office. And I probably will put looking at folders on my computer on that list of daily actions. But again, as I say, there are some folders that probably can just go. One little tip for that is I tend to, on my computer, have a folder that's called to delete. 
And if I have to save stuff, you know, you sometimes have to save things to send them on to people or just to be able to view them, uh, but you don't really need them on your computer. I, th then I save them into that to delete folder. And then every so often I can go in and delete everything in the folder knowing that I don't need it because I wouldn't have put it in there if it was something that needed to be kept longer than that moment when I was saving it to my computer and looking at it. So that is one way of uh, continuing to keep stuff that you don't really need off your computer that you might find helpful. The fourth tip is to make a one in one out rule and that's so that every time you bring something into your house or your business or onto your computer even you must replace an item you must replace something so you bring something in you must always take something away uh, and that can be a good way of making sure that you at least don't increase the number of items that you have in your life and business uh, even if um, it doesn't go down as a result of bringing something new in but so if you think about it in your social life you know if you if you're making arrangement to to regularly meet up with friends uh, say once a month you know is there something you're already doing once a month that you don't really need to do anymore or you're not enjoying as much that perhaps you could stop doing so you can make that work in in all different ways uh, you know when you add something in take something out and then the last tip for minimalizing and reducing things in your life is about uh, introducing systems which actually is uh, linking into the second fundamental that I talk about as far as living more and that is about systemizing so look at the things that are taking time in your life in your business and look at introducing systems to help you to do those things quicker more efficiently or perhaps in an automated way so you know things like if you uh, wash up a lot and you don't have a dishwasher then maybe a dishwasher might save you time um, or you might have ways of managing your email so that you don't have to spend so much time there. I use a tool called SaneBox which sorts my email automatically into different folders for me which makes it much much quicker for me to go through and triage my email and work out the stuff that I need to do, the stuff that I need to save for later and the stuff that I need to delete. Uh, so think about all areas of your life, uh, as I said home business, working on your computer and so on and see if there's a quicker uh, easier way of doing something by systemizing and in some cases automating whatever that task might be. So those are my five tips for helping you to minimalize your life. As I said at the beginning, I think sometimes by taking stuff out and simplifying, you can really free up and create space for you to either do more uh, of the stuff that you want to do or even just do less and be more calm and relaxed and, and look after yourself more which takes us into one of my other S's which is all about self-care. So uh, I hope you found those five helpful. So that's about reducing your surface clutter. Uh, second one was cutting things out so your recurring items and recurring appointments and so on. Uh, third one is get rid of old boxes, old folders, things that you don't need anymore. The fourth one is about having a one-in-one-out rule so that when you get something new, you get rid of something that you've already got. And the, fourth, the fifth one was about introducing systems to, to make things more efficient, more effective and potentially automated. Use your power to live more. 
all this information is available on the show notes on the website powertolivemore.com forward slash in this case 26. And if you're thinking about decluttering and doing it gradually a little bit every day, then you might be interested in my Get Stuff Done With Power group accountability system. It focuses you on powering through that to-do list and, and starting and completing tasks and projects that up to now have eluded you and can be really helpful when you're looking to do a little bit every day of whatever that project might be. So in this case, if you want to do some decluttering, you could spend each of those 28 days spending 20 minutes or however long each day doing just a little bit of decluttering and and using the group accountability system to keep you on track. So if you want to find out more, then go to getstuffdonewithpower.com. And again, the link for the show is powertolivemore.com forward slash 26. And we look forward to speaking to you next time.